It's simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. Please welcome to today's episode of the Tea with Mike show, Corey Singer, a social media and TikTok influencer. Corey promotes positivity by inspiring others with his brand music and personal experience with autism. Corey won the grand prize on Bravo's TV singing competition, The Candy Factory, and was also nominated for the best vocal performance in 2013 for his role in Tony Award winner Joe DiPietro's uh, The Last Romance. As well as this, Corey does things in his local community and sits on the board of directors for the I Am Able Foundation and is also an ambassador for the Sound Mind Network. With all that being said, Corey, welcome to the Tea with Mike show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. That's great to have you on. Really excited, obviously, to dive deep into your story and show people really what's uh, possible. Everybody, obviously, without putting this into a box, everyone has challenges in life. But I feel like it's how we react to our challenges that makes us who we are. And we need more people to inspire others to, like, show that anything is possible despite whatever circumstances you're drawn into essentially is what I'm getting at. So let's kind of get a little feel for the context. So where did you grow up and where do you call home now? So my early childhood, when I was born, I lived, I was in New Jersey. Then for a year when I was a baby, I was in Florida, but then we moved back to New Jersey and I'm a homegrown Jersey boy. So in the central Jersey area, that's, that's where I, just, you know, kind of leave. There's a lot of weird people out there and I don't want to <laughs> like, and the, like, like, you know what I mean? So, but like, no, I'm mostly, like I said, I'm homegrown Jersey boy and proud. So, you know, I, I spent most of my life in the same town, but I'm not afraid to explore as well. So a sense of adventure. So like when you were younger, did you do quite a bit of like traveling with with your family and things like that? Explore the outdoors at all? Or? A little bit. More like I did more traveling with my dad on the weekends because my parents divorced at an early age. And we would go to Pennsylvania a lot for flea markets and all that. I've never been to the West Coast and I've never been to any other country, which I would love to do. But, you know, I've just I've mostly stayed in New Jersey. So, but I've been to other states, just not on the West Coast. That would be nice. I'd like to visit California, man. So, California's on, on the bucket list right now? Yeah, kind of, sort of. I just like, just to see what it's like. You know what I mean? Because I'm on the East Coast, and that's on the West Coast. And it, it's two opposite ends of the country, like, literally. So. We'll get to this a little later. But maybe we'll get to play a show one day in California. That'd be cool, man. I hit two birds with one stone, right? Yeah, far out, man. <laughs> so when you were growing up in school, what were some of your favorite subjects and why? So my favorite subjects didn't come until high school. I was always the theater kid growing up. But my yeah. sophomore year in high school, that's grade 10, was they had a theater arts program, which I love. And, you know, because that's my bread and butter. And I learned a lot more about theater in that class. And my junior year, that's grade 11, there was beginning guitar. And that's where I picked up a guitar at 10 years old, but I never really, you know, it was just kind of there and I never really learned it. And it wasn't until 
I was 17. I actually started learning the guitar from that class. And I've kept at it since then. I'm not like a great guitarist, but I, I use it more as a tool to write songs. And I know enough of the guitar and how it works to write a good melody if need be. So, but that was my favorite subject. And of course, lunch. Were you quite a social kid in school? Kind of, sort of. Because, you know, I was, I'm on the autism spectrum. And when you're on the spectrum, the autism spectrum specifically, you're viewed as the weird kid. I had friends and I was, I am more extroverted than I, than I am introverted, but you're still kind of like the, but even though I was an extrovert, I was a weird extrovert. My sense of humor was always kind of off. Like, for example, I, and I thought I was a comedic genius, but no one else thought so. <laughs> I was like, I had a hard time understanding exactly what was funny and what was it. For example, if someone says, hey, I don't like Star Wars, I would answer, well, Star Wars doesn't like you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I thought it was brilliant, but like people really took offense to that. And I'm like, but no, I, I gained respect from other people through doing theater because I was the theater kid. I was getting all the leads and all the school plays. Everybody knew I could sing. So that that even though I was weird and bullied, that's how I got respect and found my my place in my childhood if that makes sense that totally makes sense i also did a bunch of theater growing up what was some like shows that you were in in school in school so i did i did school shows and i did a summer drama show so a couple of notable ones were junior year we did hairspray you know that show yeah so i was i was the mom i was edna that's cool have you seen the movie with john travolta yeah, I have. I, like, do I remember much about it? No, but I have seen I was, it. <laughs> basically, I was the John Travolta character. And uh, it, it, it was quite interesting. I had to learn to dance in high heels. And I had to wear, shave my legs and wear a dress and all that. But it was fun. It was, a, it was a really fun show. We did Footloose the Musical the year before that. And some of the summer shows, we did this show called Tickle the Musical. You know Dr. Seuss? Yeah. So they take a lot of the Dr. Seuss stories and they turned it into a musical. And the cat in the hat is kind of the narrator. And the main story throughout the thing is Horton Hears a Who. But there's some references to all the other Dr. Seuss books in the show. But the main story is the Horton Hears a Who. And that was a – it's not a great show, but it's a fun show. What else did we do? There was an interesting show we did my senior year which is grade 12 called the 25th annual Putnam County spelling bee. It's a mouthful. And basically the the joke is it's usually done by adults and adults are playing middle schoolers, like 12 and 13 year olds. And like there's six of them and they're weird and they're competing in this middle school spelling bee, but they bring up members of the audience to come up on stage and compete as if they're to compete as well. And it's a fun show. And I played the character William Morris Barfay, he's a weird, socially awkward kid who spells the word out on the ground with his magic foot before spelling it out loud. So that's cool. What do you love about performing? What is it that makes you want to like keep doing it? You know, it's like it's one of those things. Like I, I hate to sound pretentious, but it's like when it comes to performing and having talents with that, you either have it or you don't. You right, I agree. Mean? I agree. And, and I'm not trying to sound pretentious to be like, I have it. It's just, just, just from what I've noticed from other people too. 
Like there are people who did it, but they didn't have it. But there's other people I've seen that do it and they have it. And that's, you know, and it's one of those things when you have it, it's just one of those things you just, it's a natural, you just naturally gravitate towards it. And it, it was my high, you know, I kind of, in a weird way, love being the center of attention. And I also love performing and giving people a good time. I love making people laugh. I love making people smile. I, I love showing them a good time. And when I started writing songs, that gave me another thing because I'm also a very creative person. Like ever since I was little, I you know found ways to be creative. I would draw all the time. I had Legos. I would build weird stuff in my Legos. I had connects and all that. And so songwriting, you know, was a natural progression for me, especially because I did theater. I was singing. I figured, hey, I'm playing guitar now. I could start writing my own songs and do my own stuff. And, you know, sky's the limit. So and it's just a high that you don't get from anywhere else. You know what I mean? It's like you're you're on stage and you're very vulnerable. You know what I mean? 100 percent. And you're just there's no. There's no room for messing up. And so that that's where the the high comes from. And when the audience, especially if they're into it, it kind of you're feeding off of each other. You're giving them stuff, but they're feeding you their energy and you're kind of really giving it back. And it's, it's almost like a fun game of catch. So I think that's that's why I love performing so much. Very cool. So you mentioned that you're autistic. So how do you feel your autistic tendencies have inspired you to become the person that we see today, like verified on social media, growing big audiences, playing shows and living the dream. So in terms of playing shows and performing, the best way I could do is kind of quote one of my favorite artists. You know, the Talking Heads, the band? I'm not familiar, no. Very famous 80s band. They're very art, art, artsy and lead singer David Byrne, who's still performing today. He's on the autism spectrum. He didn't find out until late in life, but when he found out, he's like, it makes perfect sense. And he said, you know, that, you know, when you're weird and you have a hard way of communicating yourself and your needs, you have to find a weird way to do it. And so that's how I kind of found my way in doing it. I think that's how my autism kind of helps me. It makes you, you think differently from other people when you're not just autistic, but neurodivergent, right? And so you see things in a weird, creative way, and it kind of comes out through my songwriting. And the social media, that grew big when I started talking about my autism, but I use that also to help with the music, and people love it. You know what I mean? I'm verified on Instagram, and it's Corey Singer Music. I, I do that one. I do mostly music, but once in a while, some I'll post some autism stuff on there. But on TikTok, that's mostly my, uh, what is it? The autism, mostly. And, you know, I'll put some music on there. So it's weird. Like, they both kind of work hand in hand for different reasons, you know? No, I get what you're saying. So we've established that you, that you love music. Uh, yeah. no, no hidden secret, I guess. But what is one piece of music or artist that you remember from your childhood and why? From my childhood? Mm. Okay. There, There's a lot. There are two things in me two groups that well one group and one artist that i remember specifically from my childhood one is stevie wonder i grew up loving stevie wonder when my parents were still together i remember we listened all three of us were would drive in a car on road trips and sing along to his the, the greatest hits cd and just you know listen to every single track on that album 
And there was Journey. I loved Journey. You know, Journey was, a, you know, a big influence in me. You know, I remember listening to like their live, a live album from, they did a show, I think in Houston. And it was really cool. I just, I just got hooked on them right away. And Elvis, I, I had a big thing for Elvis Presley. Now he wasn't necessarily an artist. He was more of a performer. You know what I mean? Like, and he was like the first icon. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, there are people that are famous, but he was the first like big, there are famous singers, famous musicians, but he was the first icon. You know what right. I mean? High energy when he performed. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is a weird comparison to make with Elvis, but Britney Spears, she's, she doesn't make her own music just like Elvis, but she's an icon. You know what I mean? So like he was the first of that. And, you know, in my childhood too, because I wasn't in theater so much, I listened to a lot of musical theater. That was like a lot of Stephen Sondheim, which is like Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods, Company, Something Park with George, Les Miserables, Cabaret, Next to Normal, like all like a lot of famous musicals, Fiddler on the Roof. I'm Jewish, so naturally I gravitate towards that. You know, so I, I, I was a big musical theater junkie. But then in my teens, I started when I started playing guitar, I started expanding my musical taste. I started getting into Neil Young, the Beatles, both, both of them were big influences on me. Glenn Hansard, ACDC, you know, Freddie Merck, you know, you know, the queen, it's just Pearl yeah, Jam. Yeah. It just, it just kept growing. So, but from my childhood more specifically, I remember most when I was a child, child was like Stevie wonder and journey. Sorry. I went on a tangent there. Oh, good. And, and what do you think you've learned from listening to all these like different artists, different like types of music, right? Have you learned something that helps you in your own creative processes? Well, I think as an artist for me, especially because I've been doing this for ten, uh, about 10 years now and I'm still learning today. And that's the thing. But, you know, there's a lot. What I learned from them, especially is persistence and it takes time. Like, for example, it took Stevie Wonder years to get as good as he was before he wrote For Once in My Life. You know what I mean? Like, people don't realize, and it took me a long time to realize, too, that, like, the Beatles, even. Like, before they started writing their great songs, like, I Want to Hold Your Hand, Help, you know, all the early stuff they did, they they wrote a lot of stuff. Like, they did a lot of performing. It's grind and hustle and, like... People don't see that until you actually start doing it. It's like, oh, wow. It's like, it's a lot of hard work and it could discourage you. But like, that's, that's one thing I learned from them is like, you know, that one song, Superman by five for fighting, like I'm more than a bird, I'm more than a plane. I'm, you know that one? Yes, I do. So the, the singer, John Andrasic, he goes by five for fighting. He himself is five for fighting, but like he talks about, he did a speech about that song. Like, where did that song come from? Before I wrote that song, I wrote thousands of songs. And that song came out as an afterthought. And I wrote it in 40 minutes. It's like, it's incredible how that happens. You know what I mean? That's, that's why I learned from all these people. But also, as an artist, you also have to find your own voice. You know what I mean? And you could take influences from other things, and it definitely helps. But there's one thing to be influenced by them and learn from them and take kind of something from them that you can hear in your music and copying them you start out kind of copying them but then you kind of start if you keep going and going 
for a while, you start finding your own voice and it's inspired by them, but it's your thing. I get it. So firstly, yes, you have to be consistent and persistent. And I, I learned that through by having the podcast started it as a college project and just kept battering away at it. And gradually it's kept building and building. Be nice. featured in a little bit of media, like interviewed people like Gary Vee, people you've seen on like TV. And it, it's crazy to think that it started as a blank piece of paper and I was able to like grow it into like something because before you do something, I guess, significant or you build it from the ground up, you're like, oh, I, I could never speak to any of these people, whoever it may be or whoever your idol may be. But once you like actually get into it and learn kind of the process and you keep repeating it, I definitely think it like gets easier if you have the right strategies kind of in place, right? Exactly. Because if you have it and you have talent, sure, you can have something there. But there's one thing of having it and then there's having it and building upon it, and which I'm sure you've done with your podcast. I mean, you even have your own mug, which is pretty cool. Like, you're right. Well, like Gary V and I, you know, recently discovered Gary V through TikTok. And what amazed me and kind of inspired me is that, like, he didn't start becoming successful until after 26 which is around the time i just i discovered him and it's like okay and he was working at his dad's place that's inspiring so it's like i'm not i'm not doing what he does obviously but it's also no like, of course not and it's like if you it's weird because like we're both in our 20s right and in your early to mid 20s you kind of feel like oh god like what am i doing with my life and yes, then like <laughs> but then you get in your late 20s and you realize that's what it's all about. Like you realize how much time you really, well, I turned 28 yesterday and it made me reflect like I'm two years away from 30. My time is limited and I should be grateful for the time I, I have had and what time I do have. Now 30 is still young, but it's also like, you know, yeah, I, I it also inspires me to kind of keep going. So, sorry, I want to, I go on these tangents. No, no, it's fine. I go on tangents too with, with my ADHD and the dyslexia. So I'm actually following you perfectly. I'm dyslexic too, actually. I think that's why we're getting on like, so well because we just yeah. understand what the other person's thinking. So Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. No. And so happy birthday. I guess our birthdays are two days apart because mine's tomorrow. So oh, yeah, happy early birthday. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Okay, so let's have a pause. We'll have a little key fact and then get into a little bit more of your like music stuff like specifically so the tea fact for the episode is afternoon tea began in the 1800s by anna the seventh duchess of bedford it's alleged that she invited guests for tea and sweets to fill in the long gap between breakfast and dinner and that comes from asomchacom slash blog says news slash tea facts what did you think of the tea fact that's interesting. That's cool. I didn't know that. What was it? Morning tea, you said? Afternoon tea. Afternoon tea. That's interesting. I didn't know that's like where it started. That's interesting, man. And it's cool. Like when you learn stuff like that, it's like, so like a lot of these expressions we have, they actually did start from somewhere. And it's like, okay. Like, and here's that. I'm not like, I think we discussed earlier. I'm not much of a tea person which is weird because I'm a singer and I should be, but like... It's good for the voice, yes. 
I know, and I, I drink coffee, which is not great for the voice. So that's why they offered it. <laughs> I'm a walking contradiction. Okay, that could be a good song. That yeah. Let me write that down. And that's nothing. I'm I'm always working. I carry around a little notepad with me. So that's I love like, how we're working in the middle of a podcast. No, it's good. The walking contradiction. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna write yeah. that. By the way, how do you take your tea? Black most of the time. And if I'm having milk, only a very small amount. Obviously, when I was a kid, I had put a lot more milk in it. But these days, very minimal milk. I take my coffee black. I put nothing in it. And everyone's like, how do you drink your coffee black? I'm like, for one, it's better for you. And two, I used to drink it light and sweet, actually. With like a lot of cream and a lot of sugar. But now I just drink it black. Cool. All right. So what are some of the challenges of being a musician and how do you overcome them? For one, a lot of times you could lose motivation, but it's also like you got to push through that. And two, as a songwriter, it's like I run into writer's block a lot. And there's two things you could do. Either you force yourself to write a song that's not that good or you could walk away. But sometimes if you like, for example, sometimes I've got writer's block. An exercise I like to do is purposely write a bad song. Oh, okay. Like, don't worry about it sounding good. Don't worry. Just write a song and make, and don't worry if it's good. Don't worry if it rhymes. Don't worry if it, songs don't have to rhyme, by the way. Don't worry if it rhymes. Don't worry if the melodies did. Don't worry if you sound good. Like, for example, I have really bad writer's block. I hadn't been able to write a good song for days. And I was on a good, like, consistent thing of writing good songs. I was like, it just stopped. And so I was taking out the trash and in my parking lot, I saw a dead frog. And it was very random. And so as soon as I got home, I got my guitar and I wrote a song about finding the dead frog. And like, it was a very, it's not a bad song actually, but it's also, it was an exercise for me just to get a song out of me. Because if you get the bad stuff out of you, then you can start getting good, consistent stuff out of you. And also too, it's just work can tire me out and music trying to be an artist too can be very time consuming so you just gotta try and improve each day and i used to think like oh i don't need to be you know better than i am now and i learned quickly like no i should be like i started learning piano this year oh cool yeah and because i want to up my songwriting game and so i can write different types of songs and as well too it's just the struggle I had was finding my voice and my my style and my my way of telling a story. Because sometimes you could... So the way I write a song typically is that I start with a melody. And either I'll have an, you know, a topic I want to write about, I'll find a melody, and I'll write with that. And sometimes the song will just happen out of nowhere. Like I'll like not even be thinking about writing a song. I'll come up with a melody and all of a sudden I'll just start writing a song and boom, I have a song. And sometimes like if I feel like stuck, like I'll, I'll look through here, you know, see like my notes and see if there's anything of value that could work with that song or I could paraphrase what I write down. And, and sometimes if I'm not doing anything, like if I'm at my day job, I'll be writing a song while I'm at my that's, job. That's cool. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's the thing. Like, I'm always creative, and you always got to be creative. And you got to find a way to to push yourself. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, I'm sure it's the same thing with your podcast, too. Because, 
there are so many podcasts out there. And so you got to find a way to make your podcast stand out, like with you, with your tea, like tea with Mike. Yeah, you've got, I guess you, you've got to be authentic, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and that takes a while to like be comfortable in putting out like stuff that is actually stuff you want to post because obviously you can see on a, there's so many examples. Oh, if I post a video of two cats like attacking each other, I probably will get this many views or things like that. But at the end of the day, some it's it's not really that meaningful because I'm sure if for the majority of people, because if you ask that person, so why did you post this video? They'll put, they'll either say, oh, it's because I knew it would get views, or they have no idea, right? So, yeah, exactly. Some people just get lucky too. Like they'll just post something random, and, and it'll go viral, and then they don't even think about it. like how'd you come up? I was like, I just kind of posted it. I didn't think anything of it. I guess the most viral piece of content I think I've been in actually, it just got reposted the other day. It was on like Gary Vee's TikTok. And I was asking him, uh, what is his uh, favorite child memory? It was a part of it, my podcast interview that I was doing with him last year in Edmonton and stuff. So that that, that is my 10 seconds of fame. <laughs> nice, dude. I'd like but, to meet him. He seems cool. He's very genuine. A very goose bumping experience, that's for sure. Mm. But there's also another good point there, right? You can get stuck on like one great moment that happened, but then the clock like resets and you just gotta like keep going, like because exactly. the, the algorithms change and people move on and different things in the world happen. And so exactly, and then yeah, more yeah. people latch on to something like TikTok. When I first started TikTok, it was easier to get viral and it was easier to to get big on there. And now because there's so many people on TikTok, it's not quite as easy. My my content doesn't go out as much. You know what I mean? Definitely. So in your bio, you mentioned that inspiring others, like I referred to earlier, through your brand, music, and personal experiences is something that is very important to you. So can you give maybe some examples of how you kind of do this? So when I talk about my autism, right? So I was diagnosed at four years old. And my parents didn't have good information. Like they didn't realize exactly, no disrespect to them. And I love them dearly. They, they, they did the best that they could, but they didn't like know how to properly raise me, you know, and teachers didn't know how to properly teach me. I was put in public school. Other people didn't know how to handle me or understand me. And as an adult, I learned more about autism through other people, even though I was diagnosed with it at four years old than I, I did when I was younger, through social media, of course, and through talking about it. And so what TikTok and Instagram allows me to do with that is talk about my personal experience having autism. There's only no two autistic people are alike. You know what I mean? If you met one autistic person, you met one autistic person. I'm a one of a kind. But there's some, but that doesn't mean that there are some things that I struggled with that could help another person. But I say this humbly, I, I get messages from a lot of people. Like I get messages from parents saying like, Hey, your videos help me understand my kid better. Like, and help me, you know, and help him out. And it helps me out too. And there are people that say, Hey, like, it's cool. Like I finally feel less alone in the world knowing that there's more people like me like it, it makes me realize like it's not really that uncommon to have. And there are people that see my videos and other people's videos. They're like, Oh my God, I relate to this person. And then they find out that they may be, they may have autism. I've been messaged from people who get diagnosed in their sixties 
which is which is crazy. No, that is crazy. Yeah. So it's like, and they say like, once they get that diagnosis, like it answers all the questions that they've always had in their life, and it's just it, even like a family friend they reached out to me. They said like, I watched your videos on TikTok, and I discovered that my daughter might be autistic. It's like answer so many questions and it's just it's so humbling because i wish there when we were younger right like when i was like 10 years old youtube was just starting no one thought youtube would be this big thing that it is today and no one ever dreamed that there'd be something like tiktok but here's the thing we have that now and so we're able to reach so many people and talk about i talk about my personal experience if that can help an autistic child who was me when i was 10 years old and have the world help them better understand them that makes all the difference. And it's, you know, that's why I do it. And the music, of course, I, you know, I say to people, focus on your abilities, not your disabilities. That is a very good phrase. Yeah, I live by that. So, you know, I, and I always talk to people and always tell them, like in my case, sure, there are a lot of people who, a lot of autistic people who aren't like me, who aren't as privileged. Like I have tattoos, right? As you can see, I, I've been in relationships chips i drive i have friends i'm very verbal as you could see i could work a full-time job there are a lot of autistic people who are not in that position that can do that and i'm not trying to say that to be ableist like i have you know i know people who are intellectually disabled and it's and i'm not trying to sound ableist at all i'm just like saying like that's there's some people i went to an event recently there was someone who was like wheelchair bound and like they're very well aware and socially well aware and can communicate, but it's like, so, you know, I, I say like, just because you could have someone who's nonverbal, right? They could be the smartest person in the room and the most socially aware person in the room, but because they're nonverbal, they're seeing people only see the disability, right? And then there's people like my case, they see all the things I'm good at, all the things I can accomplish. And this goes back to when I was in high school. When people saw how good I was at theater, how good it was as a singer, they focused on that and they didn't focus on the things I needed help with. And so for that, I suffered. And so that's what we need to talk about more of, you know, like functioning labels, no matter where someone lays on the spectrum, they're brilliant no matter what, but we all need a little help. 100%. I actually think people that have things like autism, ADHD, even some of the other ones, I actually think they have a better perspective on the world because they take exactly. the time to to understand people in similar situations themselves or even uh, worse. So I know I'm, I take the time to, I'm very inclusive. I talk to everybody. I take the time to build a relationship with someone regardless of like how they look, what challenges they may have. And I think people that may may not have any challenges per se that we're talking about specifically. I think not everybody, but I think a lot of people like, they're like, oh, I don't have this problem. So nobody else has this problem. So they kind of like, like brush it off. And I actually think it doesn't help them with building relationships and networking and confidence in like public situations and things like that. I can honestly like build a conversation or a relationship with pretty much anyone over like a period of time just because I'm persistent right I don't give up even if I don't get positivity like back straight away so I think that's interesting are you an extrovert 100% an extrovert nice 
I am a social butterfly. Spread those wings. I know a lot of people through the like work that I've done, and I actively like meeting new people. And a lot of people definitely don't say that they actively like meeting new people. And that's the other challenge about wanting to get to know people is you're also up against a lot of barriers and people that have approached other people and like done it incorrectly and put them on the like the, the defensive right away from day one, right? Yeah. I, I've been in that position where I've, I've done that unintentionally. But it's like, it's just, I, you know, especially when I was younger, because I didn't know how to communicate properly, you know, because with, with autism and neurodivergence in general, there's a lack of social awareness, but you kind of have to learn the social awareness in order to better communicate. Like, I go to New York City, I talk to everybody. <laughs> I love it. Please, like, vlog that the next time you do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I ended up having, like, a little lunch with some guy, some random dudes. Like, like they invited cool. me, like, hey, you want to have lunch? I'm like, sure. That is the stuff that people should live for. But, like, a lot of people, unfortunately, I guess just because of the way the world is, that's the only way to really put it. Like, they're, they're in their box and they don't see, like, past the box. I'm not perfect, but that's a great story of, like, like how two people, like, took a chance and it doesn't have to be anything close to romantic or, like, physical. It could just be two people letting each other's story over lunch. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, part of the problem is, I was actually talking about this to, with someone at work. It, it's social media, right? It's phones. Every Everybody's down here. They're not making connections at all. It's like, I rarely use my phone when I go out. Like, if I need a GPS, I'll use my phone and all that. If I gotta make a call. Other than that, my phone is in my pocket. And I, the amount of people I see on their phones, it's kind of scary. It's like no one's making any connections. Yeah, no, I agree. And another good example is like people that spend all this money going to concerts. And then they're like, yeah, sure, I get it. You need a couple of shots, a couple of videos, but then enjoy physically being there because that, that could be the one one time out of 90 years of your life that you get to see the artists that you want to see in the city where you are. Exactly, exactly. Like Jack White, right? You know, of the White Stripes? Yeah. At his shows, he always tells people, please do not pull out your cell phones. Just live in the moment. Like, and I agree with that. Sure, like take a video and like maybe take a photo, but just enjoy, man. That's what a concert's about. If you want to watch a video, go on YouTube or something like that. Or like, don't just, just enjoy it for what it is. Like I saw like, you know, James Blunt, right? Oh yeah, I like James Blunt. Yeah, he was performing at Oxford University, and it was being recorded with professional video equipment and all that. And the students were all in there regardless, having their phones out recording it. And it's like, yo, it, it's being recorded, and it's going to be on for the world to see in your university. Why are you recording? And you got James Blunt performing in front of you acoustically in a small room. Enjoy it. Yeah, no, all right. So I mentioned that you've gained traction with your music. You're well established on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, etc. So, how do you set about promoting your music on these different platforms and go from everybody starts at zero at having an audience that's engaged and they like listen to your music and give you feedback and that type of thing? Well, I go live uh, when I can. Like, I go live and play my music and I post my video of me doing my music. I'll repost it. I started a second tiktok page of music just for music related stuff nothing autism related 
and my Instagram page is Corey Singer Music, so I'll post a lot of music stuff on there. So, so you're saying going live has really I helped you with building a community? It has, and also too, just like you know, I'm with a label and I have a PR firm, which helps a lot. So, you know, they tell me how to help promote myself and all that, and they help promote me. And just, you know, you have social media and you have a large following, you got to take advantage of that. And you got to, that's the thing in trying to succeed in any kind of industry. You got to hustle and grind and you got to try and get your stuff out there no matter what. What's one memorable moment or story that you feel comfortable sharing on, on how you built up maybe a, a relationship with a fan or something that stood out for you, like they've sent you a message in the DM and they've told you X that you feel comfortable sharing? With a fan? Yeah. There are a couple people I talked to through my lives and we just kind of connected. And, uh, you know, we, just, we talk once in a while. We don't talk all the time. I try not to connect too much. But I'll respond to them in the comment section and all that. But, like, I try not to connect too much with them because I've done that. And, and it, it, it never usually ends up doing good. Because, like, sometimes, like, they'll want to talk to you all the time and it's like when i'm not doing tiktok or music I, you know i got a life you know what i mean i'm not trying to sound mean or you know putting it's like you know listen like you know like i'm you know i'm a regular person just like you i put my pants on just like you it's like <laughs> and uh, you know it's like it, it's it's one of those things i like to keep a bit of a boundary and uh, just you know just you know keeping it chill now i have a, a couple mutuals you know who like they're content creators too who i talk to which is a bit different because they're content creators themselves and so they kind of get it so like that's that's a different kind of relationship like one of them she made a video she does true crime stuff and she was talking about someone who committed a murder who was on the autism spectrum and she was asking me about like hey is it okay if i could post I'm like no listen you're good like there's you're doing nothing wrong. The guy, regardless of his alternative to come on, someone's dead because of him. So it's it's cool. And like other music people too, I, I've connected with. So I, I prefer to connect with other creators. With fans, it never... Yeah, with fans, it never really ends well. Interesting. So how would you describe your kind of sound to someone that hasn't heard your music before? I have a hard time describing my sound because I'm very different. I, I would say I'm singer-songwriter. The hint of theater. I'm very indie. Oh. So like, like people say like my songs sound like they belong in musicals, and I take a lot of inspiration from that. So, from musical theater. So, because I grew up doing it. I think that's maybe why I also like listening to your music is because I come from a theater background and love the the, the storytelling and the musical aspect. Although I can't sing, I do I, I do love like musicals in general. So maybe that's. What, why I have like you done? Sound. Thank you. Have you done theater yourself? Yeah, I, I was in my Oliver Twist, Sound of Music, done some Shakespearean stuff. Yeah, quite a few oh. different things. And then I switched over to uh, technical theater and did a like like lots of stage management and lighting and kind of behind the scenes mode. So kind of a good mix of both. Well, people don't realize the behind the scenes stuff is just as important because without that, cool like, too. Yeah, like it's like it's cool, and it's also too like it serves the story. Like the the actors on stage, the performers, that's a great job, but without the technical aspect of it, like there's like they got nothing. So you said Shakespeare. What's your favorite Shakespeare play? 
Favorite Shakespeare play would probably be. Think about this. I would say probably like Romeo and Juliet or the Scottish play. <laughs> no, we're not on stage. You could say it. So that's true. That's only if you're on a stage. Unless you're doing Macbeth, then you're allowed to say it. It's a weird superstition. But like, I have Hamlet is arguably the best, like, and arguably the greatest play. But my personal favorite is Julius Caesar. I never really liked that one too hard, but I've heard it's good. Yeah, it's good. Like, you know, people say that's your favorite. Like, yeah, it's my favorite. There's something about the story that, like, is really intriguing and interesting to me. And plus, I saw the movie with Marlon Brando, who's regarded as one of the greatest, might be greatest actors of all time. So, would you say that's one of your favorite actors of all time, too? As an artist and actor, yeah. As a person, that's debatable. <laughs> all right. So, recently you released the song I Still Love You. So, what kind of inspired yeah. you to write that song? So that's this is going to be a very personal story. I went through a breakup back in March, you know, and I was the one that broke up with her, and it was a serious relationship. And I'm not going to get into why I, I broke up with her. I had my reasons, but it still sucked because I love this girl. You know what I mean? She loved me. There's we we've talked and there's still a love there, but it's like it was you know I was you know very. I'm still emotional about it, but I was very emotional about it that time. And I was looking through my notes and I was writing stuff down that I thought about it. I took out the pages, I ripped, put them on my wall and I looked at what was there and it's like, there's a song here. And I came up with that melody and I just wrote what I was feeling. And I, I looked at the pages for inspiration and what I was feeling was all in the pages and I put it all down in the song. And, you know, I built it within an hour. And usually after I write a Song, I will record it, make a work tape on my phone. After writing this one, I had to walk away because, like, it was a very emotional song for me to write, and it was very therapeutic too. And I always go by whenever I write a song, I try to be as truthful as possible, and that's what happened in that song. Nice. And so, here's a follow-up question: As a musician, should you get attached to the music that you write? Yeah, sometimes you gotta just write something, but. If you're attached to the music and you're truthful about what you're talking about, that's what my songwriting mentor Devin O'Day talks about. Like you, like the best songs and the best music you hear is when someone's telling the truth and they're being truthful. There's no ego, there's no like pretentiousness. They're just writing their truth, and that's where my best songs come from. Where I'm just being honest and I tell the truth. So in your creative process for writing songs and music in general, do you write the lyrics or the music first? The music is always first for me. Because, like, the music, I've always been very into melody, right? And so the music, it sets the tone. It sets the vibe. And, like, it, that's, that's, like, the foundation of the song, the music. Now, you write and I write the lyrics... I like how I'm feeling, but to the music. And what's frustrating is, you know, you know, coming up with rhymes and all that, but it's like learning how to be more lenient with that and like working with words and working with, you know, trying to play with words too. So, you know, hence like 
this and I'm always a melody guy first. Like, you know, the melody is what catches someone. Like, for example, Journey. Their songs, you recognize their songs by their melodies, by like their opening piano part, like like Don't Stop Believing. Like when you're like like you know that's that song and that's what catches you. So usually in songs, it's the melody that captures people's attention because usually the lyrics don't start on bar one normally, right? Sometimes they do. Some of my songs, the lyrics start right away. But, and you know, I like listening to lyrics. Like, I actually do. I've gotten more into listening to lyrics. But some people, when they hear songs, they don't, they don't pay attention to lyrics. They'll sing the lyrics, but they don't pay attention to what they're meaning. They're like, they're going with the song. And some people... I know people who write lyrics first and then they add music. So, well, I would say myself included for a lot of music because you're usually doing it while you're doing something else. You you usually only hear like sounds, right? And you're like, oh, I like this sound. But someone asks you about your favorite music versus like you wouldn't be able to say, oh, I really loved uh, line 32 when the song. This line means this to me. You, you know what I'm saying? You wouldn't really be able to give reason. You just like. Oh, I like the different tones and the sound. People talk quite generically often about music. Yeah. And it's like when you're when you know music, you could think about it more analytically. But to the general person who just listens to music, they only know it through that. And it's like they enjoy the art that we make. And but here's the thing though, I know there's gonna be people who aren't into my music. And that's another thing that I think doesn't get talked about enough. You're going to have people that don't vibe with their music, that don't understand it, that don't, that, you know, they're just not going to like it. They're going to say it sucks. That's fine. There's stuff that I like that other people don't like, but there's stuff that other people like that I don't like. It's, it's a required taste. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't like my stuff, cool. There's a bunch of other people who do. And that's the same with anything in life, to be honest, whether that's podcasts, music, favorite theater shows, like the, the list goes on and on, right? So. Exactly. Okay, so how did you get the opportunity to be involved in Tony Award winner Joe Tro's The Last Romance? And then talk to us a little bit about how you felt when you were nominated for the best vocal performance in this. So I was working with a theater mentor of mine, and he worked at a regional theater in this museum. And he asked me to come out and audition for this role. Now, with this role, it was a, the role's The Last Romance. And it's a four-person play. There's only four people in play. Three old people and me, the young guy. And there's an old man, two old ladies, one playing his sister, one playing, you know, his new lover, The Last Romance. And each scene starts out with me singing opera because the main character, the man, he was an immigrant from Italy and he used to be an opera singer. And so I open each scene as a younger him singing opera. And... You know, it's like I auditioned and he wasn't going to hire me initially. Like you said, it was a good experience, but like the actor who I want to hire, he, something came up. So you got the role and it was cool, man. I had to learn opera through YouTube because I never saw <laughs> on YouTube and you know, it was cool. And you ever see that show, Courage the Cowardly Dog? I have not, no. It's a famous show here in America. And one of the voice actors from that show was one of the was the lover in the in the show. Very cool. Yeah, and you know I wasn't ex doing it 
to, and that's another thing. When you go into something, don't go into expecting awards or anything. I don't think art should be a competition. I used to like love watching the Oscars, but as I got older, I realized like art shouldn't be a competition. Like, like the, you know what I mean? Like art is subjective. You know what I mean? So, but it, it, it's, it was an honor and it was, you know, like, it's a cool thing that I could say I did. And the fact that such a, you know, prestigious organization like Broadway world, you know, recognized my talents and wanted to, you know, I didn't win to give me a nomination. I was like, that's just cool enough, man. It's such an honor. But at the end of the day, that's not what it's about. You know, like it's, it's about, you know, I love being creative. I love going out there. I love putting on a show. I'm happy that it happened. I'm, I'm not like not thankful that it happened, but it's also like, that's not why I do it. You know what I mean? That's not what defines you. If somebody asked you kind of the why's. Yeah. Like actors, right? There are some of the greatest actors in the world who don't have Oscars. That award doesn't define them. It's like how their talents that like, you know, define who they are as an actor or actress. So. I understand, man. So in your bio, you mentioned that you're on the board of directors for the I Am Able Foundation and then also an ambassador for the Sound My Network. So can you tell us a little bit more about these organizations and your role in them and a little bit about what you do? So, yeah, I'm on a board of directors. I help promote them. Like for the I Am Able Foundation, we work with, you know, we talk about stuff. There are some well-known people, kind of like myself. We come on there. We talk about our needs and differences. There's quite a few autistic people on there. We talk about how I am able. It, it's exactly inside. Like, we are able. And there's no reason why people say we shouldn't be. And that's a good message to put out there. The Sound Mind Network is more of a mental health network. Like, we use songs and put songs and music out there to help raise money for this uh, for this organization to help people like in you know mental health crisis and all that so whether it be addiction and you know suicidal anything related to mental illness your mental health that's that's what we do and how did you find these like organizations initially to get involved with some of them found me like i I am able found me through TikTok. There are people who followed me on TikTok and all that. And they reached out to me and I'm like, I got to know their mission and their, you know, what they're all about. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. And through music, like it was like through my PR firm, like, Hey, these people reached out to me. They're interested in having you work with them. And I recorded some songs with them and they're like, you know, yo, like you're really talented and all that. We want you to be a part of it. So I'm like, absolutely. It's like anything. Kind of, it's that hustle and grind, man, with anything to help you out. And also you're helping out in return. You know what I mean? You're giving back. And that's what I've been doing through TikTok as well. Like I give back through putting the message out there. And here's the thing. I get to perform and put myself out there, but like I'm giving back. And that's even more rewarding. Like what I'm doing, you know, making music and putting out there, that's helping people. Absolutely, man. Like, you know, we. Music saved my life. So that's a lot of what the Sound Mind Network is doing. That's cool, man. And uh, now understanding a little bit more of your story, like it's really fantastic through different ways that you're able to work with these two different things, the two different organizations. I really like compliment you and like, are meaningful and 
I'm sure it means a lot to you. And, and those are the most important things in life that you want to kind of, I guess, be, be remembered for, right? So that's cool. Yeah, like, and I thought about this with my birthday yesterday. It's like, you know, we get one shot at a legacy. And so, you know, and it's never ending. Like, I had a, a grandfather that died recently. And he was going through his life, and, like, he kept records of what he did. And he just kind of took a step back. He was like, I did a lot with my life. You know what I mean? He's not a super famous person. He's not, like, you know, he's done a lot for the world that people will never know. But the fact that he gave back and kept – did his part, it's like and knowing – him knowing that he did that, it's like, holy crap. So, like, that's that's incredible. And that's what we should all strive for. You know what I mean? 100%. Your podcast, I'm sure you want to leave a legacy with that as well. I think so. That just really the underlying theme that how it's important to keep conversation, network, you know, that connections piece and tell stories and almost like in some ways remind ourselves about how the world traditionally started before the media and technology became an interesting, you know, like uh, how a long, long time ago when knowledge was passed down through generations and generations, it was like carved down on stone and things like that. And I, I think there's some significance to like how everything began and I, we just got to make sure it's not lost, you know? Absolutely. So I'm curious to know what you're going to say here. What's one overall piece of advice that you would like to give to somebody listening? Maybe they're wanting to break into the, do their own music, maybe they have a, a learning challenge like ADHD, autism, that type of thing. Anybody want to bring into music? You need, if you want to succeed, if you want to make it, you got to really want it. There's, you're going to have people that doubt you. You're going to have people that are going to say, no, get a real job. I almost lost myself and listened to them, and I'm glad that I did it. And you need to do you. And the only person's happiness that matters at the end of the day is yours. And for anybody with a disability, like I said before, focus on your ability, not your disability. That's something I'm going to remember in this episode. Focus on your, well, another way to do it is like your superpowers versus your weaknesses, right? But exactly. you're very busy, you're working, you're pursuing the music, you're giving back to to your community, working with these Different, those organizations that we were talking about earlier. What do you do on a daily basis to look after your physical and mental health? So before I go to my day job, because I wake up before 30, and that's three, year, three years of having to work jobs that required me to work out, to wake up like that. And I used to work out, you know, wake up before 30 and start working out at five. But what I, what I do now, because I don't, my shift at my job starts at 6 a.m., I wake up and for 20 to a half hour before work, I I play piano and practice because like I want to get better. I've been playing since January and I want to get good at it and, and better at it and very proficient at it. So I'm putting in the time. And so like say my evenings get too busy or something, I'll know that at least I did something musical during the day. At least for 20 to 30 minutes, I put in some time to do something with music. And I'll try and write a song. Sometimes nothing will happen of it. And sometimes the song will come out. 
I got to learn a famous song for America, Proud to Be an American, for a local event in my town that I'm doing in the weekend. I exercise. I used, I grew up as a fat kid. I'm five foot five and a half. I'm a short guy. And my heaviest, I was, I was 220 pounds. Okay. Years ago, I lost 70 pounds. So I don't work out so much for looks as I used to. That's the wrong way to do it. I do it for my health now, physically and mentally. The looks come with that, but it's more like just for my, you know, just for my health overall. And, you know, I, I try to, like, I go on walks just to clear my head. And music helps too. No, I, I what you mean, I, I was working out with a friend recently. And for me, it's it's kind of about the health aspect versus trying to, be ripped shall we say you know don't worry about a six-pack the six-pack actually there's a reason why we have it and it serves a purpose it's not there to make us look good it has its own purpose that's what people need to realize awesome and so what's next for you personally and professionally just keeping going man just keeping going making tiktoks making more music i'm trying to record an album actually so working on getting more tattoos i'm getting a new one saturday I got like, I got a lot. So, and uh, yeah, you know, like just, just hustle and grinding. Sweet. And then finally, before we kind of wrap up, where can people find you on social media? Like, where can they listen to your music? Go to coreysinger.com. That is C-O-R-Y-S-I-N-G-E-R. There's no E in Corey. That E's the pain of my existence. My TikTok from my autism page, go to the Corey Singer. My Instagram is Corey Singer Music. My website will take you to all my social media. And it'll also take you to all my music. We're on all streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. It'll take you everywhere. And you can find my music on there as well. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for taking time out of your day and meshing it up for the last hour or so. I really hope you had fun. And thanks for sharing your story. I did. I Actually, this is a very nice conversation. And, you know, I... I'm like very happy you had me on here and anytime anybody has me on their show, it's always a pleasure. And it was a pleasure getting to know you, Mike, and thank you for having me. And thank you for letting me tell my story. Welcome. Okay, everyone. This was another episode of the Tea with Mike show with Corey Singer. Just really learning about Corey's story, his music, the work he's doing with the different nonprofits slash charities and also some great pieces of advice scattered throughout the episode on how you should be persistent and do essentially what makes you happy and really focus in on you versus the outside noise if you enjoyed this episode of the tea with mike show make sure you check out some of the other great stories from people all over the world at teawithmike.com and on all of the major podcasting platforms the apples the spotify's Googles and all of those wonderful platforms that allow us to be heard all around the world. Thanks, Corey. Listen to Tea with Mike, and thank you, Mike. It's the Tea with Mike show.